Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. First Chronicles chapter 28, reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us there, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the elders of Israel the officers of the tribe and the captain of the division who served the king, the captain over thousands and captains over hundreds, and the steward over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons, with the officials and the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparation to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and has shed blood. Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my court, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans of the vegetables, its house, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seats, and the plan for all that he had by the Spirit, of the court of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries of the dedicated thing. He gave gold by weight for things of gold, for all articles used in every kind of service, also silver for all articles of silver by weight, for all articles used in every kind of service. Now, from this passage of scripture, I want you to begin to pay attention to certain things that I want us to see from that verse of scripture. The first thing I want you to see is David's sincere desire and aspiration to build the house of God. In other words, David had it in mind. His intention that he wanted to build something for God. Bible tells us that he said, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the stool of our God. So David had a sincere desire, a sincere aspiration to build the house for the Almighty God. Number two thing I want you to notice is that David's diligent preparation for the building of the house is not just the desire to build it. It's just an aspiration to have a place of worship for the Lord. David diligently prepared for that particular building. Bible tells us in that same verse number two, First Chronicles 28, he said, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. In other words, he wasn't just thinking about it. He wasn't just looking at the whole idea that this is a good idea. He actually made plans and he prepared for the building of the temple of the Almighty God. Number three, as much as David was interested in building the house of the Almighty God, God had a different plan. It's just like when you have a contract that you are bidding for. And you think that you are the one who is going to win the contract. And God said, no, I have somebody else. I have a better contractor in mind. 
The Bible tells us that God had his own view of David's desire to build a house. Bible tells us in verse number 3. God says, well, I like the whole idea. You want to build me a house. But in verse number 3, God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because why? You have been a man of war and you have shed blood. As much as I like your idea, as much as I want you to be the one to build for me, I don't want you because of the things that you have done in the past. Because you are a man of war and you have shed blood. In other words, as much as David's desire and aspiration to build, as far as God was concerned, David is not the person. Why am I telling you this story? Why am I telling you this story? What is the importance of this particular story? Why is this necessary for you to understand the story, the real story behind this story that we're talking about? Why is this story important? My brothers and sisters, the story is important because it underscores the power of the human desire and the human aspiration. The desire and the aspiration of David was brought to physical realization even when David was not there. His son made it happen. So this story underscores the power of your desire and your aspiration. This story illustrates that when there is a strong desire and a genuine aspiration to do and to achieve something, it has a contagious effect on people. And before you know it, it becomes a reality. The power of aspiration, that's what the story is telling us. That you desire something. And you desire so much that you prepare for it. You desire so much that you begin to put things in place. You begin to put plans in place. When people hear it, they run with those kind of things. When that particular aspiration is strong enough and big enough. So that's the first thing I want you to see from this story. The second thing is that this story is important because it shows us that that power of aspiration has a way of motivating and inspiring unlimited faith. When you see a possible future, when you are able to cast a possible future, what it does is that it motivates people into action. It inspires people to believe for that which is impossible. Solomon spent a number of years gathering the material to be because he knew that was the desire of the heart of his father. This story tells us the power of aspiration to motivate and to inspire unlimited faith. That's why I told you the story. I told you the story because the story shows us the power of aspiration to focus and to dedicate resources. When you know what you want to achieve, when you know the direction that you want to go, it has a way to focus your attention. You don't get distracted in different, different ways. It has a way to dedicate your resources. You don't waste your energy. You don't waste your resources. You don't waste all the things that God has given to you because you know you are dedicating it onto something. When you have that particular goal that you want to accomplish, it has a way of focusing and dedicating your resources. Ask the younger ones. If they have a desire that they want something for Christmas, that their father saying, I'm not buying this thing, you have to save money for it. What happened? They have a way of saving their money. Even when other things are trying to collect that money from them, their attention is focused on that thing that they want and it has a way of dedicating their resources so that when the time arrives, when they have enough money, they can go and get it. That's what happens. When there is an aspiration in the heart of an individual, it focuses your attention, it dedicates your resources. Not only that, this story is important because it shows us the power of aspiration to produce a desired future. If you desire that thing, if you aspire to something, and you are dedicated enough, and you focus your resources enough, and you are inspired enough, you will find that as you continue without failing, as you continue without being discouraged, one day, to look as if you are in magic land. You wake up and you will see the result. And people will say, oh, he's lucky. No. He had a goal. 
That individual had an aspiration. They were walking towards something and they were not willing to give up. This story tells us, though David had a desire to build a temple, though God told him he wasn't going to do it, but because he was prepared, because he had inspired his son, because he had gathered the resources, because he had focused his attention, one day, one day, a temple was sitting in Jerusalem. Not because it came there by accident, not because Solomon wished it, but because we walked for it. They did the necessary work. So this story is telling us that when you have aspiration, it produces the result, it produces the future that you are looking for. And that is why David, the psalmist, who understands very well the power of godly desires and aspiration, he said in Psalm 37 verse 4, he said, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. They say there needs to be an aspiration. There needs to be a burning desire in your spirit. There needs to be something that you are gunning for. Something that you are trusting the Lord for. He said, once you do that, once you delight yourself in the Lord, knowing that God can provide it, he said, then that task of your heart will come to pass. In other words, to move forward in life, to live a life that is beyond limits, that is set by man, set by family, set by the Satan, to live a life that God has in store for you, you need the power of aspiration. You need that hunger in your spirit to be able to attain to the height that God is taking you. Because he said, I know the thought that I think towards you. They are the thought of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. There is a place God is taking you. There has to be a hunger in your spirit to get there. Because if you are not hungry for it, you will see it, but you may not possess it. So to access all that God has in store for us, we need the power of aspiration to see and to attain that particular height that God is showing you. That's why God said to Abraham, He said, look to the right, to the left, to the east, to the west. All the land that you can see, I will give it to you. He's putting a hunger in his spirit. He's trying to tell you, run for something. Fight for something. Hunger for something. Because when that hunger is there, it motivates you to move forward. So if you are going to live a life beyond limits, aspiration must be there. In Genesis chapter 37, we all know the story of this young man. The Bible tells us of the story of Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob. The Bible tells us that now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brother and they hated him even the more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, building sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep arose. And also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood around and bowed down to my sheep. In other words, this guy had a bold aspiration for his life. He wasn't going to sit down there and continue to till the land just like everybody. He wasn't going to be running his sheep just like his fathers and the fathers before him were doing. He had a big plan for himself. This guy was going to go to New York City. He was going to be on the top mile. You know, if you watch the Jefferson. He was really going to live large. And as he was telling them, these guys were really pissed. Do you mean that you are going to be our Lord? Do you mean to be we are going to bow down before you? Even when he told his father, what, what kind of rubbish are you talking? Me and your mothers are going to bow down before you. But this guy had a bold aspiration for his life. And the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean to live a life of bold aspiration? But bold aspiration means to have a deep a desire, a deep yearning to accomplish something bigger than yourself. Not doing things because everybody's doing the same thing. But doing something that is bigger than you. Doing something that is larger than yourself. Something that you know that only God is, can accomplish this. Joseph saw himself becoming a leader. 
and that all will bow down before him. Bold aspiration is that deep desire to see a possible future. That this is what you are seeing today. But you are going to see better things. I always joke when I was younger, I tell her, you better take pictures with me right now. Because the time will come where you probably sell that picture and say, I know him when it was coming up. We are still going to get there. We are making the journey. But the point I'm making is that there has to be a deep desire to see a possible future. David had this aspiration at the back of his mind when he was talking about the building of the temple. David wanted a temple of the house of the Almighty God. He had that deep-seated desire, that deep-seated aspiration to see the temple of God in Jerusalem one day. The question this morning is that, why is this bold aspiration necessary for living a life beyond limits? Why do you need that bold aspiration? Why do you need that particular big dream to be able to live a life beyond limits? A bold aspiration is needed, my brothers and sisters, because aspiration creates hunger. Aspiration creates hunger in your spirits. When you desire something, there is something inside of you that says, no, I want this thing. You look at a child. They are standing and we go to circles. Everybody's having fun. And then you get to that place where you have cotton candy. Oh my God. The eyes light up. Everything looks so as, as if the whole world revolves around that cotton candy. Eventually when you give that child a cotton candy, oh my God. It's like they are floating on air. That thing is so good. Anything that you ask that child to do at that time, he's going to do it. Just to have a taste of that thing. It creates hunger. Aspiration creates hunger. That's why you need it if you are going to move forward. Aspiration unleashes your potential because it forces you to say, what do I need to be able to get to this destination that I want to go? The Bible says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. There has to be that hunger. And aspiration creates the hunger that releases your potential. Not only that, aspiration releases your faith because you will begin to realize that you need the faith to step into the unknown. That's why you need aspiration to live the life beyond limits. Not only that, aspiration has a way of focusing your attention. But you don't look up and down. That girl in that county fair, as they were going through the circles, if that girl is only interested in cutting candy, give them a hot dog. They say, no, that's not what I want. Give them ice cream. That's not what I want. I want this curtain candy. It focuses the attention. The same thing for you in our lives. What are we aspiring for? What are you dreaming about? What is that thing that you are trusting the Lord for? Any other thing that is offered to you, you said no. This is not what the Lord has told me. This is not what he promised me. Aspiration focuses your attention. That is why it is needed for you to be able to break the limits. Not only that. Aspiration has a way of separating the non-essentials. There are things that you need to do in life that will take you where you're going. And there are things you have no business doing. Because as soon as you get yourself involved in those things, you are not going anywhere. And so aspiration for the man or the woman who wants to live the life beyond limits, aspiration helps you to separate essentials from non-essential. Aspiration also helps you to select your associate, the people that you are going to travel with. There are some people who will help you get to where you're going, and there are some people who will never help you to get to where you're going. And that is why when you have a deep-seated aspiration, a deep-seated hunger, you want to see something in your future, it selects who you go with because it tells you, this person will help me, this person will not help me. And then finally, it has a way of disciplining your strength. You don't exert yourself into everything. 
Paul the Apostle said some things are beneficial to me, other things are not beneficial to me. So you conserve your energy. You focus your energy. You discipline your energy. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 9, he said that I run, not as somebody who's just beating the air. I fight, not as somebody who's just fighting for the sake of fighting. He said, but I discipline my body so that after doing this thing, I will not be a castaway. After running this race, my aspiration will not be wasted. That's basically what he's saying. So aspiration is necessary. Your desire, your hunger in your spirit is necessary to live a life beyond living because it has a way of strengthening your discipline. It has a way of making you to do the things that you need to do, focusing on the right thing. And these are just some of the examples. These are just some of the reasons why bold aspiration is important and necessary for living a life that is beyond limits. Now, can you imagine for a second? Imagine for a second with me where there is no aspiration, where there is no goal. Imagine an individual, a family or a community where there is no hunger. There's no desire to accomplish anything. No desire to be able to live a life that is beyond what they are living right now. They are just satisfied with where they are. Such a life, such a family, such a community where there is no drive for a better life. That life that has no aspiration will be relegated into obscurity. People will forget about you very quickly. Nobody will know you ever existed. I remember when I was in college, anytime I visit some of my friends, they already know me, I leave a particular note there. And that note was, Godwin was here. Anytime. If I come visit you and you are not at home, there is always a note that I put there, Godwin was here. Without aspiration, nobody would know you were here. If there's no dream, nothing you are pursuing, nobody will know that you are here. You'll just go and go like that. Life without aspiration is a life of obscurity. Life without aspiration is a life without motivation. Because you are not pursuing anything. You are not going after anything. There is nothing that wakes you up in the morning to pursue. There is nothing that motivates you to go beyond the limit. There is nothing that says, okay, this is what I'm pursuing. Nothing. But when there is aspiration, there is motivation. So a life without aspiration, number one, is a life of obscurity. Number two is a life of lack of motivation. Number three is a life that lacks purpose. Because there's no reason for living. That's why a lot of people are frustrated at work. What is the reason of this work? Yes, I need to pay my bills. Okay, fine. What else? When there is no aspiration, there is no goal, there is no desire, there is no hunger in your spirit, purpose will be lacking. And such people will live a life that is hopeless. They feel that they are locked up in a vicious circle. And if you cannot get out of that vicious circle, what happens is that there is a lot of frustration. And that is why when you meet some people, you see that they are just angry. In most cases, they are not angry at you. They are angry at themselves. That they are not moving forward. That they are not getting any result in their life. That life is just passing them by. When there is no aspiration, life has no purpose. And the life that has no purpose will always attract failure. Because people can sense it when you are not going anywhere. People can sense if you go to the mall and you just stand in a corner, you will know the people that came to buy something and the people that just got out of the house because they had nowhere to go. You can tell, just looking at them. So when there is no hope, when there is no purpose, when there is no motivation, when life is lived in the obscurity, that kind of life will always attract failure. And that's why people wonder. Some men go out and say, I'm always attracting this kind of women. And some women say, I'm always attracting that kind of men. Look at yourself. It's a reflection of the kind of person you are. That's the kind of person you attract. But the life without aspiration is a life that attracts failure. 
But where there is an aspiration, when there is hunger, where there is a desire for something, where there is a deep-seated desire to do something that is meaningful, to live a life that is bigger than yourself, all of a sudden, life takes up a new meaning. And that's why you see an individual, initially they were living a particular way, but as soon as they begin to see something, maybe they got involved in a relationship, or maybe they got a new job, or they began to see a new thing happening, you see a glow around them. They come alive all of a sudden. That tells you there's an aspiration somewhere. There is a hunger somewhere. That there's something that they are pursuing. You see a man on a mission, you can tell. And you see a man who is just wondering, you can also tell. So where there is an aspiration, life becomes meaningful. Where there is aspiration, purpose is restored. Because you are running as if you know where you are going. When there is aspiration, hope comes alive. You are not discouraged anymore. Depression begins to get out of your life. You find out that you are no longer despondent anymore. Things begin to work out for you because hope comes alive. And then energy and creativity is unleashed in that particular life. Because what you find is that when you are pursuing something, all of a sudden energy begins to come. You begin to find that you can now walk longer. You can now do things, you know, that ordinarily you will not do because you are pursuing something. You are looking for a particular result. You are trying to get to a particular place. So it releases energy. It releases creativity. And then you begin to see that the future that you are looking for, that future becomes possible. It becomes visible for you. What other people normally thought that was impossible, all of a sudden becomes possible in your life. Because you can see these things. You can see the reality of this thing. Because there is an aspiration. Now there are those who say that because we are Christians, because we are Christians, we are not supposed to have aspiration. You're not supposed to hunger for something big. That if you hunger for something big, you are carnal. You are not going to be able to please the Lord. They say that dreaming big is pride. And that is of the devil. Christians are not supposed to be prideful. As such, they are not supposed to aspire to be something big. But the question that I always find interesting is that the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, if you read from verse number 26, the Bible tells us that then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all, all over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse number 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created in him, male and female, he created them. Now look at verse 28. The Bible says, then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now please think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. If God created us. To be fruitful. To multiply. And to have dominion. Why in the world would it be a sin. To desire for fruitfulness. Why would it be a sin for you to desire increase. Why would it be a sin for you to desire dominion. In your area of influence. If God created us to be fruitful, to multiply, and to have dominion, why in the world would anyone think that desiring something good is the same? Why? Why is it that aspiring for greater height? Why would it be against the will of God if God created us to be fruitful, to multiply, and to have dominion? If you think about it, you will begin to wonder. The question is, why does the church always condemn human aspiration? Why do we condemn people who are always working to better themselves? Why? Why does the church condemn people who are desiring greater heights? Let me suggest to you that the church does all that because we have believed a lie. 
The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. We have believed a lie of the devil that money is the root of all evil. But if you read the scripture very well, it did not say money is the root of all evil. If money is the root of evil, the Bible says that he gives you power to make wealth. That means God is shooting himself on the foot. But because we have believed the lie, we do not understand what the Bible is saying. Many have been brought into that particular belief system that indoctrinate people against aspiring for material success. It has indoctrinated people into not aspiring to achievement and to prosperity. They have been convinced that money is the root of all evil. But the Bible says the love of money, which is different from the possession of money, is the root of all evil. How do you think you can sit here? You think the landlord, as much as what is going on right now, you think the landlord will take, will accept, God bless you. At the end of the month, I'll say, Landlord, Mr. Landlord, thank you very much for giving us your appointment. God bless you. The guy will say, Amen. Where is my check? They used to say something back at home. They say money is the vehicle of the gospel. Where you don't get money, you're going to be limited. We are operating on several platforms. It takes money to run this business. So the whole idea that aspiration is evil is because we have believed a lie. Number two, the way the church keep believing that aspiration is evil is because we have flawed reasoning. Jesus Christ said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, you think God will now say, okay, I, I don't want you to be evil, so I'll take the good gift from you. I mean, God is not crazy. So please understand, there's a problem here. The idea is that people have believed the lie and their thinking is faulty. That's why many of us see these things as evil. And then finally, many view bold aspiration with suspicion because they have done what is called a false equivalence. What I mean by false equivalence is this. They have equated penury with piety. The poorer you are, the holier you become. That is the thinking of some Christians. They have equated suffering with favor with the Almighty God. The more you suffer, the more God will like you. That God must be really messed up. Not only that, they have equated body. When you carry your body, carry your cross, they say that is humility. No! No! The enemy is punishing, cheating, and stealing from us, and we think that is righteousness. So because of false equivalence, because of false thinking, and because we have believed a lie, many of us have a negative view of bold aspiration. We have a negative view of people who are pursuing to better themselves. And please understand, any desire that you have, the desire for riches, the desire for wealth, the desire for other things that is supported, that is done because of greed, because of loss, and because of jealousy, is destructive and is counterproductive. That is not what we're talking about here. When you pursue things just because you want to have them, or because you want to be better than your brother or better than your sister, because you want to receive the praise of men, when you pursue things for the wrong reason, those things are destructive. The Bible always warns against those things. The Bible tells us that those things are dangerous. When as a church we focus on the negative aspect of aspiration, what you find is that we no longer stretch ourselves. We abandon the search for good things. I mean, you're happy. Why should you look for a new job? You're happy. Why should you do something better? When we are happy with mediocrity, we stop searching for a better life. When we believe this uh, nonsense about failure in spirituality, we stop the pursuit of excellence. When you believe that it's a sin for you to better yourself, you settle for mediocrity. God understands. God does not want you to be this. Go to church. That's where you have one of the worst practices. 
Excellence is not something that we aspire for because we God understand. God is not a God of mediocrity. Look at the things that he created. Everything he created were beautiful. God is a God of excellence. You look at the things, the way he designed those, you know that he must have really sat down and did some serious thinking. He didn't do it in a hurry. Yes, he created it in a day, but he didn't do it. Okay, let's just put it here. Let's just put it here. And that's why it goes under my skin when certain things don't work right. Because it's a God of excellence. When we do not aspire to get better, we settle for mediocrity. And not only that, we blame others for our own failures. It is the devil. And I keep saying it, the devil is going to deny a lot of things. Say, so this one, are you doing? You don't want to do anything. That's why you are the way you are. It's not me. But when we do not aspire, when we are focusing on negative aspiration, we begin to blame the devil, begin to blame family member, begin to blame the boss. You blame the economy. We blame all sorts of things for our own failure. When we refuse to aspire for something better. But when our desires and aspirations are fired up and they are aligned with the will of God, God works through us to bring his plan and his purpose to pass and extend his reach through us. We become the conduit of God's blessings. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.